This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You're listening to the Fish Untamed Podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 58 with John Hill on building your own fly rod. I think a good place to start would be maybe just how you got introduced to building rods and then maybe also how yellowfin got started just tell me about it how'd you get into rod building um well i started you know fly fishing like 18 years ago when i moved out here to colorado and most people start fly fishing then they're like hmm i wonder how to make these flies that are kind of expensive i wonder if i could save some money so i started tying flies over the years you realize that tying flies doesn't really save you money but it's a ton of fun catching a fish on you know, something right. that you tied yourself. And then about six, seven years ago, it just hit me like, I wonder how to make a fly rod and how to do that. I wonder if I can do that. So I went down the YouTube rabbit hole and spent hours and hours researching and watching videos. Like there's a video series that's like 10 parts long. I think I watched it like three times all the way through trying to figure out like how to make a fly rod. Is that the one you ended up sending me? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's super old. It's like, yeah, it's you know, four old. by five. It's like low res <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. But that, that was the one I watched like two or three times before I even started. So when you first like decided to pick it up, did you know that people built rods or were you like, do people build rods? Like did, how much of it did you know going in? So, you know, bamboo, Everybody has heard of people making right. bamboo. So I always thought I wanted to make bamboo and I thought not until I retire. I don't have time, you know, to make bamboo rods. Which is I feel like a fair 
right? Assessment. It's a even, lot of work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but then I was like, well, wait a minute. How do these other rods get built? You know, the carbon fiber, graphite ones, the fiberglass. And so that's when I thought, oh, I need to look this up and see how those are made. Because I had no idea, yeah. you know? So. And so what, what was the process, like, going from your first rod? Like, I guess, how did that turn out? And then how did that evolve into Yellowfin well, now? So... I started looking up blanks because it all starts with a blank, right? Which is a tapered rod, just the tube, right? And it's in two pieces, four pieces. So you have to buy the blanks first. So I researched the blanks and where blanks come from and who gets blanks. And there's only, you know, a handful of places that actually make these blanks outside of the U.S., you know, and in the U.S., um, so I figured out how to get blank. I ordered some blanks. And the first one I made was actually for a friend of mine. Uh, I think his birthday was coming up. And I'm like, oh, it'd be neat. My first rod to give to a good friend of mine that I've known since I was like 13 years old. Um, so I got the components and parts and I, I made it and gave it to him. Um, then it was so much fun. And did it go well? Like looking back, if you can remember it, do you think it was a good rod or do you think it was... You know, I, I mean, a, a bad rod is still fishable. It's not like you can right. catch fish on it, I'm sure. But, like, looking back, do you know, like, things you messed up that you've since fixed? Or do you think it was a pretty solid first For attempt? my first one, I think it was very good. Um, I had posted it on a couple forums, uh, like rod building forums, and people were kind of shocked that it was my first one. Um, so, I mean, I've definitely gotten better um, with building them, you know, seven years later. Uh, but for my first one, I think it was really good. Um, so I gave it to my buddy, and he just loves fishing it, you know. So that was, like, my first, first one. And then you built – I assume you built, like, a whole bunch after that just for fun before you started thinking about selling them. So then I built one for myself, and I built one for another friend of mine um, and gave it to him as a gift. And I started posting it on Reddit, the fly fishing forum on Reddit, um, just because people share their fish photos, they'll share their flies they tie. So I started posting my builds on there. And then like one person was like, hey, can you build me one? And then a couple of weeks later, another person was like, oh, these are awesome. Can you build me one? So it was more like by request almost versus thinking like I should start a business. It was definitely not a business. It was something that I loved right from the beginning. I loved doing it, loved it. So it was definitely... I'm so surprised that it kind of kept going because it was all word of mouth. It was, you know, people from Reddit and then telling their friends. And then I would post more pictures on Reddit and then somebody else would ask for another one. So it was, you know, yeah, it was just kind of organic. Just like a snowball effect. Yeah. Um, and what, at what point did you like say, I should give this business a name and a structure and yeah. a website and all this versus just randomly taking orders from people. So a couple of years in, I thought of a business, but I couldn't think of a name for the business. Um, so I just kept going with whatever I was doing. And then I th I've always been interested in like rare fish. Um, and we can get on this topic Another time, but golden trout, we, you know, it's a big thing for me, the golden trout and finding golden trout in Colorado. Um, then I was doing research for the golden trout. Back in the day, I found another trout that was partially extinct, the greenback 
cutthroat trout, which is Colorado state fish. Um, and along with that, I found a yellowfin cutthroat trout that used to live only in Colorado and is now ex- or thought to be extinct. And yellowfin. But you, you think maybe. Maybe with a little luck, maybe you can find I, one one day. I have some info, and I need to take a trip, and uh, uh, maybe I'll find it someday. But then, so I thought yellowfin. I was like yellowfin custom fly rods, and that's how I got the name and started like quote unquote business. Yeah, I kind of I kind of remember this happening. I feel like we knew each other for a little bit before this happened, but I remember you sending over the logo and stuff and being like, check out my website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was just kind of. It just hit me one day, and the yellowfin, I, you know, again, is such a cool story behind that. And, like, they tried to save it and whatever. Again, we can get into that, you know, uh, another time. But, yeah, so I was like, oh, that's a neat name. I, I like that. And it's uh, in Colorado. That fish was from only in Colorado. Um, I'm building rods here in Colorado. So, yeah, so that's how it started with the website and everything. Now, don't you – do you – I forget your rods have are named after different species or right. Like that's another thing you have to think of, you know, what do you call? So you got to have like a list of products. It's not, it's no longer just one ask me what you want and I'll build it for you. It's like off, you got to offer selection. um, Yeah. So before I actually went live with the company, I was like, okay, I need to have a bunch of different product for people to choose from, you know, they need to choose, blanks they need to choose real seats grips thread color for the guide wraps you know all of that um so what i did was you know fly rides have different actions so i bought a ton of batches small they're made in like small batches from um, south korea new zealand uh there's some i get from bulgaria so i buy in bulk and i have i don't know how how many do I have on my website? I don't even know at this point. I think I have like six or eight. As I say, I I feel like maybe half a dozen is what I I was thinking. Yeah. So I have different um, actions, different colors of blanks that people can choose from and then a bunch of different real seats to choose from. So I wanted to give people a variety for everybody because some people like fast action rods. Some people like slow action. Some people like medium fast. So is that what the different different, uh, rods that you sell with like different names – that's basically just what like action or taper exactly. and then people are choosing colors of things and real seeds and stuff like that that go on to the rod but it's not like all of the you know rod a they're not all exactly the same they're right. just all the same like action and taper so they're the same color the blanks are all the same the color. blanks okay. in that so i have so then i thought like well what do i name these you know so i came up with well i'll name them different trout so i have the rainbow edition the cutthroat um, you have a white fish? A white fish, yes. <laughs> named after you and your love for the white fish. Um, I'll have to buy one of those for you. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. Um, I have another one called the PA, named after Pennsylvania, um, because it's a blank that I use a lot for Euro nymphing. And um, there's some guys in Pennsylvania on the uh, fly fishing subreddit that I've made a bunch of Euro rods for, and they use them for, um, you know, Euro fishing in um, Pennsylvania. So I kind of named it after them for the PA. So that's how I just kind of came up with my different, you know, editions of the blanks. And so each edition is like a medium fast and, you know, green. And then I have like seven foot six, three weight, you know, nine foot four weight, nine foot five weight, nine foot six weight in that edition. Okay. So everybody can choose, you know, from that. 
Are you still coming up with more or have you kind of been set on the same handful for a while? And no, I test out. I test out different blanks that I see that come up on the market from different areas. Um, last year, I got a set of blanks that were new. Um, I've sent a couple out to people and I actually just got word back from a friend of mine that lives on like the Western Slope area that he was like dumbfounded how good it cast. Like he said, it cast just as good, if not better than his nine foot four weight rod that costs $900. So that was actually going to be something I asked you because this is something that um, I'm like, I'm not really sure about. I feel like maybe it's a, a mix, but with a good rod, you know, I feel like there's brands that come to mind for what's a good rod or, or what's good for the money or whatever. Um, is that more in the blanks themselves in the craftsmanship or is it a little bit of both? Like, I mean, obviously some of the craft craftsmanship is, is just aesthetic. Like, you know, it's, it looks nice. The thread wraps looks nice. I, I assume a thread wrap doesn't actually improve the casting. Well, sometimes it, well, or it can, can it? improve. I mean, well, if you tie, if you wrap too tight, that could put too much tension on the blank and actually could break. Oh, really? Okay. So, and if you tie it too loose, then when you put the epoxy on, it might not stick to the blank. So there is kind of like a, you know, area there that it needs to be, but no, you're right. Like, is it more in the blanks or more in the craftsmanship? Like could a great craftsman take a bad blank and make it an amazing rod? Or is there like a natural limitation there because of the quality of the blanks themselves? I think both. I think the quality of the blank, you know, just like there's, Cabela's like $50 starter kit. Right. Or, you know, um, Orvis has a starter kit that's like, you know, $120 or whatever. So it's, yeah, I guess you would assume that a company is not just deliberately making those ones in a worse way. You know, they're not being like, okay, so make sure you don't try as hard on these cheaper rods. Like, obviously that's going to be a lot of the components that go into that. Right. And the make of the graphite carbon fiber that's in the blank might be slightly different. So, you know, there's, like I said, a hundred dollar starter kit, and then there's like a $900 rod. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely blanks in from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, You know, so you can, get a custom rod for, you know, $300 or you can get a custom rod for $1,000. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit of both. You know what I mean? Like, so this, the, the ones that I make, they're in the medium range there, you know, $300, 350 you know, they're really for people that don't ever think they would ever have a custom rod and be able to choose colors, choose things right. for themselves. Cause you, you know? hear custom and you're like, it's gotta be like $2,000 to get a custom rod yeah. because regular rods can go for you know, a thousand bucks. Right. So I wanted to fill the area where the average Joe, me, you know, I'm an average guy, just weekend warrior most of the time, but would love, you know, a rod that I chose everything for and like handmade, you know? So that's kind of the area that I like to be in because it's a joy to like talk to people either on the phone or through email um, you know, I've had emails back and forth. There's like a chain of like over a hundred, you know, going like what to choose and like, then they'll get it and email me back with pictures. So it's, it's really c- cool to like get to know these people that I'm building a rod for. And I, every single one of them is like a piece of art to me. Like I spend a lot of time and energy on them and I love every single one of them. And every time I'm done, I don't want to send it out half the time. Right, Cause it's like, oh, like this is awesome. yeah, this looks so nice, you know? Um, but the fact that I get to do this and give it to somebody who gets to go out 
and it's passionate about fly fishing like I am. Like you are, you know what I mean? Like just for how it's you rewarding. Know, dude. It's great. I love it. I love it. Have you gotten any in particular, uh, really cool stories back about like, oh, I was using a rod and I caught this, you know, like 30 inch wild brown or like, it's just some like crazy story like that where you're like, oh, that's my rod. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it's like I had, um, a wife got her husband one for Christmas and she emailed me just a few months ago. And I think they live in the East, uh, Northeast somewhere. And he was using it and, (laughs) you know, caught some like cod and then made fish tacos. So sent me a picture of the fish tacos. I'm like, it looks so good, you know. So just like stuff like that. And, of course, the ones with, with the fish that people are catching with them. Or, you know, a guy just emailed me the other day. was like, I've caught, you know, I made one for him like three years ago. And he's like, I outfish all my friends. This is the best rod. You know, so you love hearing those, you know. Yeah. Um, of course, you get the ones where, you know, they break the tip off in the car door, you know. you. I hate to get those emails, but I take those emails too. And I have to like, you know, replace parts and stuff for, you know, a fee to replace, you know, the blank and everything. But, um, but it's so much fun being able to like talk to people about, you know, how they use, and it's all over the country. Right. It's like kind of living vicariously through them. Right. I've always thought how cool would it be to make like a little fly fishing movie of me traveling around the states and fishing with people that I've made rods for and all these different (laughs) you know from Washington to California Texas you know Vermont Florida I mean all over the place so it's super cool to like hear back from people yeah it makes you wonder like how many species have been caught on your rod or something like that just some like random statistic that you'll probably never know but you know it's probably someone's probably caught some really obscure species that you know be fun to learn about yeah yeah um we kind of got sidetracked, but back to the new rod that I test out rods. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely different makes of the ingredients that go into the carbon fiber, graphite or fiberglass. Cause there's, you know, S fire, S glass, E glass, they make them differently, you know? Um, so I'm always, you know, finding new blanks out there and I'll order like five or 10 and make a few and give them to people to test out, you know, and, you know, get feedback from to see if I should put it, you know, in my quote unquote lineup on my mm-hmm. website. Um, and I probably should with this new one, but I just, I've been so busy um, that I haven't even been able to update my website with these new blanks that I have. Uh, like, you know, last year, and like I said, I do this part time um, last year for COVID. So the year before COVID, I made 42 rods, which is, you know, it's a lot, you know, for part time, you know, and I've, wife and my son and I coach soccer and stuff. Got a lot going on. Last year for COVID, I made 95 rods last year. It was insane how many orders <laughs> I got last year. 95. So it's been pretty crazy. It's But it's been a blast. Yeah. So kind of getting into the building itself, um, I had a guy on a while back talk about bamboo and kind of the misconceptions I had about rod building before I, I've, I've only built the one, but um, now I feel like I at least kind of understand what the process is. Uh, and I didn't really understand what went into building a rod because yeah. it's it's a weird phrasing, yeah. you know, like building a rod, like what you creating these blanks or whatever. And for bamboo, you know, part of it is, yep. you know, making the, the long, uh, like basically sticks that go together um, to form the rod. But with, you know, your standard rod building, it's it's more of like putting it together than it is quote unquote building. And I don't mean that to take away from it, but, right. you know, I feel like it might be confusing if you've never seen what goes into it to to just be like what how do you build this right um yeah because some people do think that i make the blanks yeah and there's some people out there that do 
you know, for sure in the United States, there's some great builders mm -hmm. that have their own machines that are, you know, they have the mandrels with the tapers and they're, they're making their own blanks. Um, but yeah, so like, well, you purchased like a blank and parts from me a couple of years ago and built one. And that was like your first foray into yeah. it, and, you know, <laughs> not understanding what, what goes into it. Um, but yes, the blanks that I get are already there. And then you have the guides and then the real seat and the grip, you know, so a lot of people, and then I ask people what, what kind of, you know, thread, you know, do you want on there? And a lot of people are like, what do you mean thread? What's thread for? Where's the, Cause you don't see, I mean, like you don't see it necessarily. If you don't, if you're not looking closely at your fly rod, you'd be like, where's their thread? Right. So all the guides that are on the fly rod are first wrapped on there with thread. So that's where the colors of different threads come in. You can choose different colors for whatever blank that you want, whatever colors you want. Um, so first you have to wrap the thread onto the guide onto the blank. Yeah. So, so thinking back to when, you kind of first helped me with it. I remember being like, there's so many parts that go into my fly rod that I didn't even know existed because yeah. I didn't know that the top part was called a tip top. Right. You know, it never, it never came up. Yep. And I feel like there's a lot of those things that when you, when you just own a rod, you, you're not really aware of it apart from, I know how my reel attaches. I know how the line feeds through the guides and I know how it feels when it casts. But until you put one together, you don't realize how like, Oh yeah, the top guide is distinctly different from all the other ones. And when they get lower down, they get different again. Um, and like the spine of the rod was something I had no idea about. Right. And yep. like how the real seat goes on all these things that it's just, it, it opens your eyes to even rods you buy and you're just like, Oh, I can see all these things now. It looks like a, a puzzle put together instead yep. of just a rod. And you look at rods differently too. Like at rods, you're like, you kind of look at the craftsmanship a little bit more, instead of just picking up, putting your reel on and fishing it, yeah. you know, like people don't realize that the blank of the rod where the grip and reel seat go, that blank goes all the way through. Yeah. I did you know, not know that. Yeah. Into the, you know, through the cork handle and down into the seat. Um, so yeah, people don't know that. And that's another thing you can't, all these parts don't just fit together. You know, you get a grip, cork grip and a, you know, reel seat. So, you know, I have, you know, 500 and whatever different blanks or whatever I have, the real seats and the grips don't always just fit automatically. You know, nothing is universal. So you have to make that fit, you know, by reaming it out, drilling it out. You got to custom make things sometimes to get them to fit together the right way and epoxy them on. Like and filing down the guides so they can be wrapped nicely. Yeah. You always want to, yeah, you always want to Dremel tool or file down the guide feet. So they're ramped up. You know, so when you put them on the blank and you wrap in the thread up, it it's a, you know, slow ramp up to the guide feet. So the epoxy goes on. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it. But like with you and with other, I've, I sell kits on my website as well. I don't do that many, but I do sell kits um, and I help anybody out with the process. If they have any questions anytime throughout the process, they call or email um, I point them in the direction of videos. Maybe I should find a newer <laughs> video to send out that's a little bit more higher res to people. But um, yeah, people don't, you know, people really enjoy it. And then once you make it, then you go catch a fish <laughs> with a rod that you made yourself, maybe a fly you tied yourself. It's it's a crazy feeling. It's, yeah. It's, it's different, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think what we were just talking about there might be kind of overwhelming for someone who's like has no idea what the process is. So like, it, do you just want to give kind of an overview? If you were to try to describe to someone in like, you know, five minutes, what from start to finish, what 
goes into a rod? Like what pieces would you have in front of you? And then how do they go together and kind of in what order to end up at the, at the final stage of a rod? If you just kind of give an overview of the steps. So first you, you get a blank that you want, you know, there's a bunch of places online. You can buy a blank, um, you know, nine foot, five weight, nine foot, six weight, 10 foot, three weight, whatever blank you want, you buy the blank. Then depending on the blank you get, you have to buy the guides and the guides come in different sizes. So if you have, say, a nine foot five weight, you're going to get um, guides to match that rod. So usually you have a nine foot rod, you're going to have 10 guides on it. Usually it's one more than the feet of the rod. So it's basically, is it, does it end up being like kind of, I mean, it's, it's not one per foot because you're the near the tip they're getting closer together but right. does it average out to about one a foot then plus the one on the very end well is the that... tip top doesn't count as one. Oh, okay right so it's you know the tip top plus 10 okay yeah um and then they come in different sizes of course the ones by the grip are bigger the stripping guides and then they gradually get smaller and there's guide spacing charts for like all blank not all blanks but most of the time you buy a blank you get the guide spacing so the guide spacing is important because you don't want one of the guides to be in a bad place where the line isn't fully put in contact with that guide because then it's putting more pressure on different areas mm. of the blank. Um, I didn't realize that's why the spacing mattered yeah, so much. Yeah. So if you have different um, lengths, the guide spacing is going to be different for you know all that different stuff. So yeah, so you get the blanks, then you get the guides and the tip top. Then you get the core candle and a real seat. And if you want um, a hook keeper, you get a hook keeper. Uh, so those are the components that you have. Then you get some thread, whatever thread color that you want to wrap the guides onto the blank. Um, and remind me, is this a special kind of thread? Like you buy like rod building thread or is this? Yeah, it's because it's, yeah. You what buy what special, makes it special? Um I'm not really exactly sure, but the like say a thread for fabric is it doesn't have the coating that the fly like the uh, rod wrapping thread's gonna have. So okay. it's like coating and the different size. There's like size A and size B thread for the rod building. Um, I use A for smaller rods and B you could use for like saltwater rods. It's like a thicker okay. thicker thread, but it's like the coating on there and stuff. I'm not exactly sure of the difference of that but yeah you definitely want to buy rod building thread and it's also different than like fly tying thread okay know, I, I figured it might be but i wasn't sure what actually yeah, would be different about yeah. that um so then you get the thread um there's videos online on how to wrap your thread onto the blank and you know onto the guide and usually there's a little station you can buy like a cardboard wrapping station you know something cheap and easy simple you can make a wrapping station out of a cardboard box um, and, uh, so then you wrap those on and then you have to have epoxy. There's like two part epoxy there's for the grip and real seat. And then there's epoxy that's thinner for the guides. So you get epoxy for the handle, the grip and the real seat and epoxy those on. Uh, and so that's then, more of just an adhesive, like getting them to stay on. Yeah. Whereas the epoxy on the guides, you know, like is, is visible and it's got to have like a nice right. smooth look to it and everything. So is that yeah. why they're different? Just different yeah, applications basically usually it's like a 10 minute 20 minute drying epoxy for the real seat and the handle mm -hmm. um and then the other epoxy is going to be like it'll take well it takes 36 hours for it to completely cure and harden 
Um, and usually you'll put two coats of epoxy on Okay. for the guides. Just one coat. Well, I mean, one thing of epoxy for the grip and reel seat. But Now talk about the spine of the rod, because that was something I was completely unaware even existed until I built it. And I also, I feel like I spent a lot of time trying to get that right. Yeah. And I was, I know I Googled it and I remember seeing differing opinions of people being like, you really need to get this right on. (laughs) Or people being like, look, you know, unless you're a really great caster and these are really good blanks, you're probably not going to really notice the difference. Um, And I, I remember thinking like, well, I want to make it right. You know, I want to, I don't want to just half-ass this and throw it together, but I was also getting frustrated yeah. trying to find it. And what is it and how important do you think it is to really nail it? So when these sheets of carbon fiber graphite are rolled onto the mandrels and heated and creating the blanks, there is a natural spot on those blanks that um, the rod wants to bend. So if you put all four pieces of your rod together and bend it, you know, put the, you know, the butt section on the ground and the tip and bend it, it's going to want to bend a certain way on its own. So you kind of want to build on that spine or on the other side of the spine. Like you want them to all be lined up together. To the, on the, and, it's, and then also, some people call it a spline with an L, S-P-L-I-N-E. Some people call it just a spine. So, you know, but as you said, there's two schools where it kind of doesn't matter. I mean... I've read where it kind of matters mostly for like saltwater and super heavy rods. Um, oh, really? I would have guessed the opposite. I would have guessed like a really so fine rod would it would matter more with it. Like a big rod, you know, might not even really be yeah. flexing as much. And so most of the builders out there, I'm not going to speak for. I shouldn't say that. Sorry, but <laughs> I don't know what most of the builders do. But from what I've read on all the building forums and stuff for like the stuff that I'm doing that we're doing, you want to build it. Uh, on the straight access uh, when you put the blanks together. So you put all four pieces together and make sure it's straight. Because when they're making these blanks, not all of them are always completely straight when you hold them up. Um, Now, like the cheaper ones, they're going to be crooked, you know? So, but I've, I mean, to be quite honest, I've gotten blanks from high-end companies and you hold it up and their blanks aren't that straight either. So, you know, it kind of just depends on the batch of blanks that you get, if they're going to be straight or not. But my philosophy is I build it to where when you put it together, it's straight. Okay. So I'll look for the spine um, and then make sure when I put it all together and it looks and it's straight, that it's all bending in the same direction. So I don't, I kind of check for both, but What's most important is you want it to be straight. And that's kind of the school that I, I go with is like, because nobody wants to put together a fly rod and it's bent, you know, Cricket. 30 degrees yeah. to the left or whatever, you know. So that's kind of me. I just kind of build it where it's straight and then I check to make sure it's all bending um, nicely together and then start putting the guides on. Okay. One thing I noticed was that I had trouble finding the spine on the like base section do you actually find the spine for that? Or is that more of a, you got to line the first three up, but the bottom one is kind of a throwaway. Yeah. And d- like if you're getting an eight weight, sometimes the third section is difficult to find the spine on because you can't bend it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So what I do is find for the three sections and then I put the bottom, the fourth section on and then I'll bend it. 
And if it's like kind of off, then I'll move, I'll turn the fourth section a little bit like, you know, a quarter turn and then bend it again. And then you'll, you'll notice that your marks that you put on for the spine, um, they'll line up at one of the points with that fourth section on. Okay. So that's kind of how I've found it. Yeah. Now, do you put the spine on the, uh, the side that you want the rod? How do I phrase this? Like, right. No, do you, you want to bend toward the spine or do you want it to bend away from the spine? So I put my guides on, on the, um, bottom side. So like where you've marked it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I don't make saltwater rods really. I've only made like a couple. I've heard for saltwater, you want to put it on top of where it bends, like where you mark it. Okay. And I guess when you're marking it, you're marking it the way it's, it bends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're putting your, you're having it bend naturally toward yes. the, the downward motion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and why salt, like why does salt water matter? I'm not matter? sure. I think cause they're heavier. Oh, okay. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, so you found the spine, and this, this something that I was surprised about was that the next step is just to tape the guides on, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like there were there were actually a lot of things in this process that I was surprised how like rudimentary it was. Yeah. <laughs> like just tape the guides on. I think I think one of the options for getting the like cork or real seat to fit was to like layer tape under it. Yep. You know, like there's just these masking random... tape is definitely your friend. Yeah, and it was yeah. just like a yeah. weird thing to find out that tape is involved so much. You'd think it would be. You know, like, oh, you put a, a small piece of specialized putty right. under there or something. <laughs> and you're just like, nope, it's just tape. <laughs> so they do make like a wax that you can use. I haven't had much luck with that. So you heat the wax up, put the guide foot on the wax, and then put it on the blank. And it's supposed to hold it there. And then when you put the epoxy on and heat up the epoxy and put it on, that kind of melts and or you can like thumb it off or whatever. I haven't had much luck with that. So what I do is I just cut small strips of masking tape and line it up and tape it on and then start wrapping and I get like up to the masking tape and then just take that little piece of tape off. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, not everything fits like the way it's supposed to. So sometimes yeah. you have, you know, a three weight blank where the butt section is the diameter is very small and a person wants a certain real seat. Well, that doesn't fit on there, right? The real seat's too big. So then that's when you, you kind of put masking tape on the blank to build that up mm-hmm. so that the seat fits onto that butt section. And then you put epoxy all, all on that. And then the same is true. A lot of fiberglass rods, the butt section diameter is very large and you can't get a real seat onto that. So you have to make a stent for that. So you'll literally cut off a section of the butt from that um, fiberglass. Oh, really? Yes. And then you will have a smaller diameter blank from another fiberglass rod that's smaller. And so you put part of that up into the butt section huh, and I have the no other idea about that, have the smaller, um, butt section hanging off. And then you can put your real seat onto that smaller section. I thought you could like put like a file in the uh, I guess no. That's the cork I'm thinking of. Oh, that, that you, yeah. That you, you could can, kind of like file it out to make it a little bit bigger. So you get a you get a reamer for the cork and you ream that out to how big you need it. Yeah, and I have you do ream out your um, real seats, but sometimes, like I like I said, sometimes the um, fiberglass is so large. There's just no that you hope. can't ream out all of that in that real seat. So then you have to make a stent for it. One of the hardest things, or like the most frustrating parts that I remember, apart from finding the spine, which I think would get easier with, I yeah. mean, I'm sure all this would get easier with practice, but I feel like the spine, it was just such a foreign concept that I was trying to figure it out. But one of the 
most frustrating parts I remember was the fact that the guides did not always line up very straight. Like the, the two feet of the guides would not be perfectly uh. straight and it would, you know, one would be a little bit angled. And because you have to wrap them so, t- you know, tightly and securely to the rod, you want them to, you know, sit flush with it. And I remember it was just, and I'm not talking about the taper down to the rod right. that you filed it off, but just. So sometimes you'll get the guide feet where they're bent a little bit. Yeah. So you kind of have to bend them. Um, if you get snake brand guides, the, they're made in the U.S. and they're really good. Um, they're mostly completely straight. So it kind of depends on where the guides are coming from. Um, the lower quality stuff, you really have to uh, finagle and make fit the way you want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So you have to like get them so the guide feet are you know sitting straight on the blank and are level on there. Yep. Okay. So... Next step in the process, um, you've taped, taped the guides on. Um, and I forget, what's the order of like real seat and cork? Because I think that's what came next, right? Putting the, but Before the thread wrapping? So I kind of, the way I do mine is like, I will wrap all my guides on first. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, I remember that being the last thing I did before the epoxy. So I wrapped all my guides and then I do the cork and the seat and let that dry for a day, put that on, let that dry for a day. Then I put on um, the hook keeper above the cork handle. And then I put on my little section where I have um, custom decals for everybody that orders a fly rod, gets to choose um, what's on the custom decal. So I have a little area for that. Um, Then I um, glue on the tip top and then wrap that on. And then I'm ready for epoxy for the guides. Okay. And... And I guess just walk through what goes into that because that's kind of a an interesting process for someone who hasn't seen it before. You know, the, the epoxy. Rod, yeah, because the rod rotates around, and I, I was informed by a very helpful uh, blog reader that I screwed my epoxy because <laughs> 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 I made it I made it a little too football shaped instead of flat. Yeah, that can happen. I've definitely had that problem in the past, you know, as well. Epoxy, like for me personally, that's my least favorite part of the whole build is doing Why? the epoxy <laughs> because. If you mess that up, it's cutting that off is so oh. difficult. If you mess up that epoxy, it's so difficult to fix. Like if you mess up the thread, you just pull yeah, it and start again. Right. Like it- yep. The thread, you just cut it off, you know, just pull it off and rewrap it with the thread. But the epoxy, that's like, that's it. You know, if you have bubbles in it, if it's too much or whatever. So the two-part epoxy, um, and it takes like about an hour for me and the shelf life of after you mix that epoxy is about an hour or two. So you're time crunched because when you mix your two part epoxy, as soon as you mix it together, it starts to harden. I remember you had me warm it up yep. to so keep you, it. You can like put it in warm water for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes to warm, warm it up. And then you mix, mix it evenly. There's a lot of people that screw that up too. They'll accidentally mix too much of part A and not enough part B. And if you do that, the epoxy will never dry. It'll really? never harden. It just be like sticky, like tacky, yes. or what? Okay. Mm-hmm. It has to be exactly, you know, two parts even. Um, so yes, then there's the rod turning motor. So it's like just a little motor on a stand, and you put your butt or your reel seat into that section, um, and it turns it. Um, you don't have to have this, but it's way easier. I've heard of people putting on epoxy and like every 15 minutes turning their rod for six hours. Really? Yes. That seems like not only a hassle, but just a recipe for some sort of like 
looking at you, Rod, just having globs sticking out all in the same direction because you forgot to yeah. time it just right. Yeah. So invest in a rod turner, you know, motor. How much does, the, not to derail us here, but like how much does this, the rod building stuff cost? Not the rod itself, but like the motor, the stand, the like the thing that holds the tension on the thread. So I think you got that um, cardboard wrapper and station, I think. Yeah. That was like 15 bucks. Okay, how so about the motor? So the motor is maybe 20, 25. Oh, really? That's it? And then maybe 35, 40. I'll have to double check. But when you get the motor, it comes with a couple stands, of course, because, you know, I the way I do mine, I break them into two pieces. I can't do a oh, nine-foot-long wow. rod all at once. So I'll have two pieces on one and two pieces on another one. So you got two motors. Yes. Going at the same at time same with two time. halves. And they have stands, you know, to hold them level. So you have to make sure they're level because um, you want the epoxy to dry level. Right. So what I do is I heat my, I warm my epoxy up. I mix it two parts, let it mix for five minutes. Um, then you pour it on to a foil tray because the foil helps uh, make the epoxy last longer. Um, and then you take a little tiny paintbrush and slowly start putting epoxy on that thread as it's turning. Um, and the, after the epoxy's on, I have like an alcohol burner. And so I'll take that flame like near it to warm it up to get any of the air bubbles out. So you right, want to get the air bubbles out. I completely forgot about that step because yep. uh, when you mentioned the bubbles earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, you don't want bubbles in there, but I have no idea how I got them out because, I don't know, it was probably two years ago now that I built that, that one rod. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that does ring a bell. And I, that part I found really fun. Uh, the Watching <laughs> the bubbles, like, it's very satisfying to look down at your epoxy and see, you know, it looks uh, like fuzzy almost because it's, it's full of bubbles. Yeah. And then you do that and it just starts to, like, glisten and become, like, smooth and yep. uniform. Yep. So once once you heat that up and get the bubbles out, you can take your brush again and smooth out the epoxy and wipe off any excess epoxy so you don't get um, footballs. Okay. So maybe I did not help you with that part and didn't tell you about that part. So that's just the, <laughs> the sole cause of that is just too much epoxy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it just goes into the middle and, and causes, like, footballs. I am not surprised I did that because – I think in my mind, I was just getting worked up over the fact that I feel like the thread, I mean, the thread probably is doing a lot to hold those guides on there, but in my mind, it's thread, right? Like, how is that going to hold up against a big fish? Yep. I need to like anchor this down with some epoxy that's actually going to be doing the, <laughs> yep. like in, in my mind, the thread was a decorative thing under the epoxy, which was really holding the guide on, which yep. I'm sure the thread is actually doing yes, a lot especially of the work. That, that thread you know, all tightly wrapped together and with that epoxy on there, definitely hold. Because I've had to take off, you know, some. You try to cut that epoxy and thread off of that blank, it's very difficult. It's like it's not – it doesn't come up easily. But it can um, be done, like in a pinch. Have you have you ever had to remove – Well, I've had to fix rods. Like other people will send me, like, repairs of rods uh -huh. and I'll – you know, have to cut that off okay. and redo them. I've done a couple repairs to um, bamboo rods that I've – like had to cut off um, the guides and rewrap them and re-epoxy them and so stuff. You've, so you've repaired bamboo rods too. Well, the guides on the bamboo. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. I guess once the bamboo, you know, quote unquote blanks, I don't know if they call them blanks right, in the bamboo yeah. world, but once they're built, they're essentially, I guess, like any other Well, they blank. could come delaminated. I haven't met, you know what I mean? Those parts, they glue them together. Mm -hmm. And so they could come delaminated. And I haven't messed with that. But I have put new grips and new seats on bamboos right. um, that people wanted and, you know, fixed guides on, you know, stuff. Um, 
yeah so how much would um would you estimate and obviously i encourage people to come just buy rod from you if, <laughs> yeah. if they want one but if someone's interested in building one uh what would you think would be a reasonable uh cost like you know, if someone just like, I want to build a rod, how much do they look into spend on kind of a basic, you know, nothing super fancy, but between all the components and, and maybe the, the stuff to like the so, motor and stuff to hold them. Right. The components, you know, you could get a kit, you know, anywhere from like 120 to, you know, however much you want to spend, you know, you get a fiberglass, nice fiberglass one. It's going to cost you three, $400 just for the components. You know what I mean? But I'll, I'll, I sell my components between, you know, like 140 somewhere around there. And, and that's a kit. Like they're basically just getting the disassembled rod the yes, put together. Yes. Okay. And then they have to buy, and there's like some tools you can use to, and you get some tools, um, like a thread burnisher and, you know, stuff like that. Um, that could run another 80. Which I guess if you're building multiple rods, I mean, it's kind of not negligible, but it's not that much if you're going to use it multiple times. Right, because you might want a three weight, a five weight, an eight weight, and then make your buddies or, you know, whoever rods. Yeah. So you spend a little bit of money um, to get these pieces, you know, these part, you know, to use it and you can use it multiple times. Yeah. So. Cool. Under $300. Yeah, which is not bad. I mean, no. and I, I know you can get better blanks. Right. Um, name for, brand. Let's say name brand. You know, name brand. You know, mine are just generic. You know. But you can buy like sage blanks mm -hmm. or, you know, blue halo blanks for fiberglass. And exactly. And I don't think, I mean, all, all fly ride companies don't sell blanks, right? No, no. Like sage does. Um, there's a bunch out there that do, but no, a lot of them don't. Cool. Well, I mean, can you think of anything else that, like, if, if you had to give some parting words to somebody who's like, I really want to do this, what should I know going in? Like, do you have any parting words or parting tips for someone who wants to give it a try? If you have an interest or if even a thought, you should definitely do it. And if you have the time, you know, like, I think you made yours over the winter. Oh, that's it. There was that's no another... hunting, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> or less hunting. <laughs> there wasn't much going on. I guess that's another question, though, is like, how long does it take from start to finish? If so you, if you work like a reasonable number of, not you're working 24 right. hours a day, but like, say you put, you know, two to three hours a day on it. How long, how many days are you looking at? So it takes me usually like a week, week and a half okay. to finish. Cause you got to think if, you know, the wrapping of the guides will take, you know, a couple hours, a few days, you know, here and there. Um, well, if you're new, it might take you longer because you might mess up and have to start over or you don't like, you know, whatever, but you got to remember if you're epoxy and the grip and the seat on, you, you do that, you got to wait a day. There's a lot of waiting. You know, then you do two coats usually of epoxy for the, you know, guides and you put one coat on, got to wait a day, put the second coat on, got to wait a day, you know. It's so. like recipes that say the total time is <laughs> three hours, but the working time is right, exactly. 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So for me doing it in the evenings and on the weekends, you know, it, it'll take me like a week, week and a half. Um, like currently I have like five rods I'm working on right now. I had a guy email me and was going on a trip next week and needed a rod. And I'm like, uh, sorry, Can't. it takes me a little bit longer, you know, to put the stuff together. And then I have to order the decals, you know. So I, there's a company in Tennessee that creates the decals. They do a great job and it's, you know, they're fairly cheap. So that's just built into the cost. You know, it's no extra cost because uh, and you get to choose whatever you want on the decal. But if you ever thought of building one and you've tied flies and you have the patience for that and you have the time, I say go for it because it's so much fun. Kind of like the next step up. Yeah. Maybe not the next step up from fly tying. I mean, fly tying can be 
you can get lost in that too. Yeah. I kind of feel like people take up fly tying first. You know, that's yeah. the first, that's a natural first. Like I like fly fishing. I want to do something creative within that. I want to make something. Yep. That's the first step. But like, I feel like this is a great second step. And I actually, I liked rod building more than fly tying. Really? And I'm not a huge, huge fly tire. Like I, I do it now and then, but I'm no expert by any means. Yeah. But I think I prefer working for a while on one thing and then having a big reward at the end versus churning out like two dozen flies at once where <laughs> right. each one doesn't feel that special because you're doing a whole bunch. Yeah. And I really like the process of like watching it come together over a couple of days and, and really seeing the transformation of like a pile of stuff right. to a fishable rod. Like that's really cool to me. Yeah. And you know, there's some people that tell me right off the bat, I don't have any desire to try to do this. <laughs> you know, they don't have the patience. They don't even want to try. They'll just have me do it or whoever do it. And right. that's, or, you know, buy one, that's fine. You know, but there's certain people out there that they enjoy. Like for me, it's like craft or it's like yeah. an art, you know, to me, it's like kind of artwork because everyone is different. You can choose whatever thread color you want. You know, there was one rod I made for a guy. Each guide had a different color of oh, wrap. Really? Yeah. It was like went through the spectrum of like dark color to like, it looks so cool. I never made one and he had that idea. And so we put together different colors. So the, you know, options are endless. Um, and it's just fun to have a unique one of a kind rod that either you made or had somebody made. Um, great story. Like you, you pulled right. it out of the rod too. And so I was like, Oh, what, what kind of rod do you have? Yep. You're like, well, actually, yeah, yeah. It's a yellow fin, you know, <laughs> and it's got your name on it or it's got, you know, sometimes people have sayings on it or they've done, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a blast. You know, if you had, if anybody has a want to even try it, you know, it's not difficult. It's a little time consuming, you know, um, but not too bad. If you have the time, I definitely say try it. It's it's well worth it. To catch a fish on a rod that you built yourself, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. ton of fun. And I think I would just add to that, obviously, is I don't have as much experience anywhere near what you do, but having having built the one and having that one experience, what I took from it is, like, it doesn't need to be perfect because a lot of the stuff on it, like, you're still going to catch fish. Like, the guy who was like, oh, you're... Your uh, epoxy looks like football. Yeah. Like, guess how many fewer fish I've caught because they look like footballs. Right. Zero. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I still catch fish on it. And yep. as long as the guides aren't, like, popping off one by one. Right, so exactly. Pulling it in, like, exactly. it's good to go. And, you know, obviously, there's better craftsmanship. And, like, a rod that you make is going to be far superior to the one I made. But uh, I still catch fish on it. And yep. it doesn't matter that it's not perfect. Like, right. It just, it was fun to do. It's fun to have. Um, so there's no... I guess, like, I, I wouldn't want anyone to be discouraged because they're like, you know what, I'm just I'm not very creative. Like, I don't, I've never been very artistic. Right. I think it would just turn out like crap. Like, it doesn't, a lot of it doesn't really matter it, for the function of it. Um, you know, you can make it very artsy and um, you can put a lot of time into making it look good. Yeah, But exactly. I, I wouldn't want anyone to be deterred from trying it just because they think that they're not creative or craftsy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and if you're like, yeah, if you're not like hands-on type of person or you don't you can't build, you know, build something, you know, you know, you'd be surprised that you know, you just watch a few videos and just try it, you yeah. know. It's what it's it's a ton of fun. So where can people find you if they want to buy a very affordable custom rod with <laughs> yeah. their with their name on it and all the works? Um I'm at yellowfinrods.com and on Instagram at yellowfinrods. Yep. And, and it just it. I assume you just have like an order form on there that you can just or do you shoot you an email? Or yeah, what's you can the shoot process? me an email at, you know, um, Jonathan Hill at Yellowfin Rods. Or there's order forms. You can fill out an order form and, like, choose what you want. 
Um, the easiest way is probably email because there's so much going back and forth because there's a lot to choose from. So usually what I do is like if people are in town, they'll stop by the shop, you know, they'll stop by and look at and pick things out. If they're not in town, I send a bunch of pictures of everything they can choose from um, and then give my opinion if they want my opinion on what might be look better, be better. And so there's a process of back and forth before mm. I even get started. Um, so I have an order right now. This guy's changed his mind like 10 times already, <laughs> which is completely fine until I start it. Right. You know, don't, don't change your mind when I start it. But, you know, there's, it's, a, it's definitely a fun process and creative on both sides, you know, who I'm building it for and for me. So, yeah, come take a look and um, hit me up. Yeah, I, I encourage anyone to give it a try because it was, like I said, it was a lot of fun. And uh, even if they don't want to build one themselves, I mean, like I said, your prices are well below a lot of fly rods that people buy that aren't custom. So right. I think yeah. it would be a, a wise investment. Yes, for thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, cheers. Cheers. Thanks. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to head over to the website, fishuntamed.com, for all episodes and show notes. And also, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone. And also, if you have not yet, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating or review. That's very helpful for me, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, other than that, thank you guys again for listening, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western a mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv on mondays head offshore with captain scott walker and steve roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures coming to me coming to me coming to me double he's jumping he's jumping he's jumping oh oh Look at that don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m eastern tell a few fish stories along the way on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment